Hey, mate, did you know that one of the most popular tongue twisters of all time was inspired by a scientist? Oh, Peter Piper and his pickled peppers? No. Well, okay, so the second most famous. Oh. Hello, and welcome to Science Brunch. I'm Katie McKissick, a.k.a. Beatrice the Biologist, and I am here with my good friend May Prince. Hello. And today we're going to be talking about Mary Anning. Excellent. Do you know who that is? Uh, vaguely. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and we should also mention that we have um, a guest with us today who is a six-week-old baby. A permanent guest. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to say where she came from. Nope. Or how she came to be here. Magic. <laughs> but she's in the room, so you might hear a couple of grunts or squeaks. <laughs> I hear that in the video game world, uh-huh. because people play, you know, like people playing Overwatch or these massive online games where you're playing with other people and you, know, you have your headphones on, you're talking to them and stuff, that they're called squeakers. Because people who are playing with their kids nearby just hear this uh. kind of like, <laughs> like, just every now and again, you'll hear something. So yeah. Yeah. So we have a squeaker in the room. So not a dog this time, a baby. <laughs> There's a baby, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, before we get into Mary Anning, who's really cool, and I'm really excited to tell you about her, what do you have for me, May? I want to learn something today. Well, recently, I think uh, there, there is an old, the oldest wombat in the world. Oh, I love wombats. Recently celebrated a birthday. Oh. And do you know how old he is? Well, let me talk myself through this. So, <laughs> you know, bigger animals tend to live longer mm-hmm. in general. Well, no, that's not true. But a lot, a lot of times if they're like like big mammals. And they wombats get to be around like 80 pounds. Right. Okay. Yeah. So the size so, of a fourth grader. All right. Yeah. Because like dogs live for like 15 years. Horses live for like 40 years. So it's like some something in between that. <laughs> Maybe they live to be like 30. He's 31. Oh, my God. V- wow. Logic. That's crazy. <laughs> yes, he's 31. He's 85 pounds. Oh, my Lord. There's a picture of, like, I guess his handler holding him, like, this giant... I mean, it's like picking up a, a, a nine-year-old kid. <laughs> you just, like, wow. holding him. Um, but what I wanted to talk about was their butts. Oh. I mean, the wombat's butts, not the trainer's butts. Like, their poops and stuff? Well, yeah, so they have, apparently, they poop in cubes. Yeah, I, I did. I had heard that. I don't think I've ever seen a picture of their I, cuboidal we'll feces, have to, though. We'll have to look it up and, and tweet it. But um, the cool thing that I learned about their butts is that they're super hard, hmm. and they think that they actually use them for defense. So, you know, wombats are burrowing animals, and they, like, have sharp claws. They're kind of like you know, giant cute badgers. Mm -hmm. I mean, they are super cute. They are. They are adorable. Um, But also kind of aggressive and scary. So don't like go petting wild ones if you happen to be in Australia. That's really good advice. Just just across the board, I would say. I mean, it's basically a bear. (laughs) It's the bear of Australia. It's a marsupial bear. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so they're big, you know, very they have, they have teeth and claws, but they are very cuddly looking. They kind of look like a cross between a bear and a koala. Um, and anyway, so they have... They found out that they have like really, they have these bones on their butt that are kind of fused together. They fit really closely together. And on top of that, there's cartilage and fat and thick fur. And what they do is because they're burrowing animals, if they're out like la la la, like foraging in, you know, wherever they are, and then the predator comes up, they'll run to their burrow and basically just plug the tunnel with their butt. 
because (laughs) the predator can like scratch and bite at their butt as much as they want but it's so thick and they've got like a butt shield impermeable yeah it's like a butt shield and so they just like hang out for a while wait for the predator to get bored and then you know it leaves wait for them to get bored with their butt (laughs) but the coolest thing that um i found out was that they actually also think that they can use them offensively so they found uh, predators like foxes near the entrance of burrows and they think what happens is that the wombat goes into the burrow like and just leaves its butt kind of near the entrance and then when the fox comes to bite it it throws its butt up against the top of the tunnel and crushes the fox's Ooh, skull that's a way to go it's ingenious wow death <laughs> why don't we butt. use our butts like this yeah i've never considered my butt a weapon well, but now I I'll guess in, in roller derby it is. Oh, yeah. Well, that's like your so, hips. That's bar, right? true. Although, you know, what, whatever works. Yeah. As yeah. long as it's not elbows. So I feel like maybe wombats are the roller derby players of the world. I, I would agree with that assessment. Yeah. And so, yeah, this, this researcher is in, in charge of basically studying their rear ends. I wonder if there are any roller derby uh, teams that have them as a mascot. Who in Australia? Should, yeah. They have roller derby in Australia. We'll I, have to look it up. Yeah. But yeah. It's, and we'll tweet it that be like, hey, guess what? So yeah, I just, we I got. approve of your mascot. I started there and then just got sucked into looking at pictures of wombats and like <laughs> videos, which is not a bad way to yeah. spend the day these days. Yeah. I was really bummed when I went to Australia. I never actually wound up seeing one because I didn't make it to like a zoo yeah. that had one. So what what was i doing life with my goals time i don't there? know you were wasting yeah. just wasting time yeah the only the only marsupials i saw were possums and they're in the united states too so what the hell was the point yeah, of that I guess, oh yeah so another thing about the wombat is they're they have they're marsupials so they have a pouch but it's backwards and they think it's because you know they're constantly going through a tunnel and so <laughs> if the pouch is facing forward the baby would just be covered in dirt like all the time yeah um, but I guess koalas also have a backwards yeah, facing Yeah, I was going to say, I know koalas, it faces backwards too, because yeah. they kind of, in their evolutionary past, they were, they burrowed a little bit yeah, more. but that um, doesn't make any sense now, because now they're up in a tree. Like, it yeah. seems like the worst kind of configuration, yeah. but... Well, because we always think about the pouches, like the uh, kangaroo ones that are really, yeah, just yeah. kind of like a, a pocket, mm-hmm. you know, that, but like, but the wombat and koala ones are more like a... Like a cinched bag, not so yeah, much like a it pocket. Said it had a sphincter. Yeah, <laughs> Which, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's not it's like a, a good drawstring, image. sort of. <laughs> no. oh, a yeah. drawstring is a much better <laughs> mental image than sphincter. sphincter. Yeah, no, that's not a good word no, to use for it's that. Terrible. <laughs> oh god, she doesn't like it either. The baby. But so yeah, so that's that's everything I learned about wombats this week. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. So now we get to learn about Mary Anning. Yes, who did not have cuboidal feces, as far as I know. <laughs> that would have been a very fun fact. We should start that rumor. Just write it on the internet. Someone will believe Seriously. it. Seriously. So Mary Anning, mm-hmm. she was born on May 21st, 1799. Okay. And when I saw that year i was like what was going on in the world 1799 i just nothing was really coming to mind i wanted to get some kind of historical context yeah just to give you some like the background noise of the world england where she you know she's from so that was when they introduced the income tax in england to fight to raise money to to fight napoleon so napoleon's that that 
Apparently short, although isn't he said to, isn't that sort of a, like a I don't myth know. that yeah, he's that short? Yeah, it might be like retroactive. Yeah. 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 He's like of average height, short by today's standards guy who's going around and uh, conquering things. Yeah, short in 1799, he had to be like three feet tall. I know. <laughs> so, so Napoleon's going on. But anyway, so Mary Anning's born in uh, Lyme Regis in southwest England, which mm-hmm. is along the coast, the English Channel. Okay. It's kind of a touristy town, you know, yeah. nice little seaside town. Um there's this legend that when she was just 15 months old, so just a little over a year, uh, a neighbor, like family friend, took her to see this um, traveling, entertaining show, like a horse show, some equestrian sort mm-hmm. of thing. I don't know. What, what would that have been? Just like, like a jumping lame, over cool things? Lame circus? Yeah. Like, I a, don't know. like a tiny circus? Before they had elephants, it was yeah, just what, all horses what were they doing? and like some know. sheep. But anyway, so it started to rain. So, um, so Mary Anning, baby Mary Anning, and these three women she was with, they went under a tree to to get some shelter from the rain, and it was struck by lightning. Oh God! And all the adults died. What? And Mary Anning, fifteen month old Mary Anning, was the only survivor from the tree being what? struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. And so she like crawled away and conquered the world. I mean, someone, someone found her, and she you know got home. She's the girl who lived. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. <yeah. laughs> The prophecy. <laughs> um, and people say that afterwards she just seemed like a much more lively little baby <laughs> after that. But that could just be timing. I mean, maybe, you know, 15-month-olds. But anyway, they say that she was much more inquisitive and kind of active afterwards. But who wouldn't be? That doesn't sound very scientifically sound, but okay. <laughs> I know. Whatever. I we'll give it to them. But anyway, it's a, it's a really good thing that she survived because mm-hmm. she was one of about 10 children. Oh. And, and, and only two of, so they had only had one sibling who survived childhood. Yikes. So they were already having a really hard time keeping kids alive. So I'm really yeah. glad that she did. In fact, she was named after a younger, well, an older, excuse me, uh, sister who died because her baby clothes caught on fire. Oh my God. I mean, that's, that's, that's about as bad as it gets. Yeah. So they, so that baby was named Mary and then, you know, she died and then they had another girl and they're like, let's just name this one Mary again, because that name didn't get used very long. Oh, it's so sad. Anyway. So, uh, her father, Richard was very poor. Their family was very poor, but he was a cabinet maker, but his real passion was digging up fossils Hmm. because here's the thing. They, the, this, the shore they live by have these cliffs called the Blue uh, Lias. I'm not sure exactly how people, how locals like pronounce that, but, uh-huh. but there are these amazing limestone and shale layers that were, you know, placed down, you know, 200 million years ago. So there are all these fossils embedded them. Because uh, just a reminder, limestone uh-huh. is calcium carbonate. So yeah. there are those layers that are basically just dead marine organisms, you know, from a really, really long time ago. Sounds less classy than limestone. Yeah. <laughs> dead stuff. <laughs> because calcium carbonate is, is what, you know, like snail shells and coral shells, all those all those things in the in the ocean and, and on land that can make that sort of shell. That's what it is, is calcium carbonate. So Back when all this land was underwater, right? Right, right. Yeah. And, and it was closer to the equator, too, at the, at the time so 200 million years ago is kind of the border between the the triassic and the jurassic periods Mm -hmm. so those are the kind of animals you're going to get in those layers so he uh loved going down to the beach going down and and yeah just chipping away at the side and finding what they could and then selling the fossils that they would that they would dig up oh smart and again so it's kind of a tourist town and and at the time you know fossils like that weren't weren't 
like really yet considered scientific finds that you would use to learn about things long ago. Yeah. Because there was during her lifetime, people did kind of say, oh, hey, we could study these. But they really were just kind of more like just considered little odd curiosities that people would yeah, buy on vacation. It mm-hmm. wasn't something that would necessarily wind up in the mu- a museum right away. Yeah. But, but during, but Mary Anning found a bunch that did, you know, wind up in museums, but we'll get there getting ahead of myself. So wait, did they even realize exactly what these fossils were? Like- no, because they, they didn't at the time, people didn't think that things could go extinct. Mm. So they didn't realize that they were looking at, you know, these, these animals that aren't around anymore and that you can, you know, find clues about what the world was like 200 million years ago. That wasn't yeah. what people thought of. I mean, people thought that everything that had ever been was still there. And, and so, they didn't know that it was millions of years old. Right. Either. And so if you did find a fossil of something that we, you know, we hadn't seen, it was because it was in a part of the world that we hadn't explored yet. Oh. That was, so, I mean, this was back when like Lewis and Clark were sent to go find, you know, mammoths. Was like, yeah. Well, they're clearly here somewhere. <laughs> You know, <laughs> those guys were disappointed. Yeah, they just, yeah, they just thought, oh, well, they're somewhere like they have to be because, again, if God created something, mm-hmm. why, you know, it would be here forever because right. it can't just disappear. That would imply that this system wasn't perfect to begin with. All mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. You know, interesting. Yeah. Um, so these, so these amazing cliffs uh, with all of these fossils, it's a World Heritage Site now, and sometimes it's called the Jurassic Coast. But uh, reminder. I know that when we think about Jurassic, we think of Jurassic Park. We think about the dinosaurs that we saw in Jurassic Park. Yep, genetically modified to be <laughs> camouflaged and like fly yes. and whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> but the Jurassic period actually didn't have a lot of the dinosaurs that we think about when we think about things like Jurassic Park. Like what for you is the ultimate dinosaur from Jurassic Park? Tyrannosaurus Rex. Exactly. That was not there during the Jurassic period. Oh, so. Boo. So, yeah. It really should have been called Cretaceous Park, but it's okay. Maybe that was the original the, the original name, and they're like, really, guys, we have, to, we have to change it this. It has too many syllables, you guys. Um, yeah, it was funny. Back when I was a biology teacher, I would always uh, do this activity where I would we would create a kind of roughly to scale um, timeline of all of these periods. The Precambrian area would be was really hard to make to scale, but I I think one inch was two uh, two million years or was it twenty? I can't remember how I whatever millions but, of anyway, years. So it, they, yeah. so the the amount of paper you had to describe your time period was roughly you know how how long it was and so and of course all my students wanted to do the jurassic period because they're like oh jurassic park and yeah it's so awesome and i'm like okay a couple things when you pick this because yeah if you pick like the pre-cambrian area all you're gonna be drawing is like single cell things or maybe some sponges exciting and but it's a huge piece of paper yeah so i'm like okay it's a trade-off like you draw really simple things you have a lot of space also uh dinosaurs they're hard to draw and they're like oh that's right and i'm like also (laughs) jurassic period does not have t-rex and they're like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what do we do? Because they had to pick which variant to do. Anyway, uh, the Dr- Jurassic Times did have, I think, the the most, the one that people probably know the best. It had Stegosaurus. But okay. Yeah, no T-Rex, no, no things like that. So did the T-Rex come later? Yeah. That was, yeah, during the Cretaceous uh, period. Got it. Yeah. Uh, Cretaceous period was was a was pretty pretty long. Hmm. Anyway, so um, her father would take her and her brother down on these fossil hunting trips, and he 
you know, taught her everything that he knew. And they would go, you know, chipping away at the, the side of the cliffs together. She had her own little tiny child-sized pick that he'd made her. Cute. Yeah, super, super cute. Uh, so mostly what they were finding were uh, ammonites, which are these uh, extinct mollusks that look a lot like nautiluses. Mm-hmm. If you don't know what a nautilus looks like, it's it has the coiled shell, just kind of like a big snail shell, and there was basically a squid sticking out of it. Yeah. So yeah, so that was mostly what they were finding um, in the in those cliffs, and then again, like selling them to, to tourists. Nice. Um, but um, but yeah, it in eighteen ten tragedy struck. Her father passed away oh. because he not only had tuberculosis, aka consumption, mm-hmm. but he had a really bad fall um, on these cliffs. Okay. So 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 dad exits stage left, you know, leaves the family not not just poor but in debt. It's terrible. I mean, obviously she and and her dad were really close. I'm yeah. sure it was incredibly incredibly and hard. And she's for her. only like 11 at this point, right? Exactly. Yeah. So. Um, so she, you know, continues looking for fossils um, and selling them again, which is really unpredictable because sometimes you'll find a bunch that people really mm-hmm. want. And sometimes you'll go months, if not a year or plus without finding anything good. So it was, you know, very unsteady income. Uh, so they, they actually go on church welfare, which is very embarrassing, you know, yeah. for them. But, you know, they they have they have to find some way to, to make ends meet. And around this, not too long after this, she's down there with her brother. They're both looking for fossils. And he he finds a big one, hmm. which turns out to be this four foot long skull. Wow. So he, so he finds it first. She excavates the whole thing. And it turns out to be an ichthyosaur. Which one is that again? So ichthyosaurs are, again, Jurassic age, giant fish. Huh. These giant extinct fish that look nothing like fish. You know, there's no fish that it's similar to now. So, I mean, so they knew it was something really big. It was like, whoa, this looks so strange. How cool is this? Um, I happen to know what ichthyosaurs are because I'm from Reno, Nevada, and it the ichthyosaur is actually the state fossil of Nevada. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so people in Nevada are real into ichthyosaurs. They have, I don't know if it's the most complete skeleton or something like that at a museum gotcha. in Nevada. And there's a, a brewery called Great Basin Brewery in, in Reno that has an icky IPA with an ichthy, with a picture of an ichthyosaurus fossil on it and stuff. So Yeah, the mid the Midwest grows corn and has tons of fossils. <laughs> in, in case people didn't know, like Montana, really? right? Yeah, Montana, they're always finding like giant I think they just found another <laughs> Right. Yeah, I know someone on Twitter who's always going out. I just hadn't thought about it before. But yeah, that is where you go if you want to dig stuff up, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Note to self if you're planning a vacation. Yeah, seriously. So, so, so Mary knew it was a really big deal and, you know, didn't look like anything anyone had ever seen. And so um, kind of word got out. So all of these scientists started coming in to, to see this amazing thing. And, and then, they, you know, they started talking to her because she was, you know, basically this, this expert on the area. So this kind of started her getting this reputation of being the, yeah, the expert of that particular, you know, cliff formation, all the fossils there. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, they again ran into some even harder financial times. And... Th- and this is kind of the theme that emerges is that they, you know, bad things happen, but, but good things seem to kind of come into play too. Cause her, her life was really hard. Again, they're really poor, but people step in to help. So this guy, uh, Thomas James Birch, 
Lieutenant Colonel Thomas Thomas James Birch, if, mm-hmm. if we must know. <laughs> uh, so he had purchased lots of fossils from her. And when he heard about how, just how cash-strapped they were, that they were going to sell their furniture just to be able to buy food. And there are food shortages at this point in England, you know, in the time. So it's just, it's just rough. Yeah. He sold his collection of fossils that he had purchased from her. He sold them at auction and being a well-connected person probably got some, you know, big spenders to come hmm. to the auction and gave them that money. Wow. Super, super super sweet yeah yeah so he said um this is for the benefit of the poor woman and her son and daughter at lyme who have in truth found almost all the fine things which have been submitted to scientific investigation i may never again possess what i'm about to part with yet in doing it i shall have the satisfaction of knowing that the money will be well applied that's awesome people spoke good words back then they (laughs) they talk good Yeah. Let us all remember that time. Yeah. Just take a moment mm. and mourn it. Yeah. <laughs> so in her in her early twenties, she made her next big discovery. Man, she's a real slacker. I know. She's just down there all the time. <laughs> uh, she found the first plesiosaur. Do you know what those are? I it sounds familiar, but I can't picture it. Okay, so plesiosaurs are really they're not dinosaurs. It's okay. very important to, <laughs> to say they're not dinosaurs. But they, you know, lived in Jurassic time. They kind of look like the Loch Ness monster. Okay. They're, they have really long necks. They look like a brontosaurus that has fins instead of legs. Gotcha. So they've got really long neck and then yeah, these big paddly looking, you know, uh, limbs. So really really cool animals, swimming reptiles. They were not dinosaurs, they were reptiles. It's, you know, uh, yeah. People get really up in arms. What's what's the distinction exactly? I mean, just the same way that you wouldn't say that a, a dog is a feline or I mean, it's just they're just in a different kind of family. They're Got just it. they have a different lineage. And so, yeah, they're just. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, but um, but yeah, so that was a huge deal, too. And and again, more and more people are recognizing her from around. But the issue is that with the ichthyosaur and the plesiosaur and other things that she discovered, you know, she found them. She was, you know, incredibly, while she wasn't educated, she could instantly recognize, you know, all of these features. You know, she would, when she found pieces of things, she knew how to put them together. She saw how everything worked. Hmm. She was such an expert on all of this anatomy and scientific illustration. She taught herself so much. But people would come to Lyme Regis, buy the fossil from her, the scientists would, and then they would describe it and not mention who found it. So they would describe the species, they would publish the paper. You know, she couldn't publish the paper because a woman at the time couldn't be a member of the Geological Society and have any kind of standing. So a lot of them would buy things from her and then, yeah, not give her any credit for not only finding it, but knowing the significance yeah. and, 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 and downloading all the information to them when they would come get it from her. Boo. So yeah, a few people did. Most people did not. Uh, she was also the first one to recognize that some of the fossils she was finding were feces. She was like this. Mm. She suggested to someone suggested to someone named William Buckland. Mm-hmm. She said, I think these things we're finding are poopies. <laughs> That's that was her exact quote. Yeah, and he and he was one who named them coprolites, which is what we still call fossilized poop. So she, it's just interesting that yeah, she was talking to all these scientists and all these you know educated men and was just telling them all these things, and they yeah. would just go off and and take credit for the discovery, often you know sometimes telling people, oh yeah, by the way, Mary Anning over here. Hmm. They, so it, it, a lot of times it wouldn't make it into the paper, but I mean, she was very well known. 
So she was known to be a subject matter expert. It's yes. just she wasn't receiving proper credit right. in the published papers. Right. Hmm. So it was, yeah, so it was kind of a weird, weird back and forth. Because, yeah, people would come from all around to go talk to her. Yeah. And which, by the way, as an unmarried woman, it was not super proper for her to just be hanging around dudes all the time. Right. And talking science with them. Right. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it was an interesting time. Uh, sure she also was. found the first pterosaur in England. Not the first ever, but mm-hmm. the first one in England, because there had been one found in uh, Germany. Okay. At that time. Anyway, so at age 27, she realized what was a dream of her father's, which was to open up her own storefront. Because at this point, they're just selling it either in front of their house or in front of the cabinet place where her, that her dad had. Mm-hmm. So just at a little table outside, basically. But she opened up her own shop with like this glass, nice storefront and called it Anning's Fossil Depot. <laughs> I just love it. Awesome. It must have looked so cool. I wish fossil depots existed now. Do they? I know. <laughs> Where does one buy their fossils? I these guess there's days? those little shops, like wherever there's a tourist trap near a beach, of all these rocks. Yeah, but, like the rocks come from everywhere. It's not like local stuff that they're digging up. I know. Well, I'm I'm picturing the yeah the tourist shops by the ocean where you can buy like the dried starfish with the sunglasses, uh, you know, glued onto it, or like the googly eyes or whatever. <laughs> if only Mary Anning had googly eyes. Yeah, was... she could have made a killing. Seriously, but um. But yeah, so she did that. But then um, when she was in her 30s, she was nearly killed by these cliffs. Mm. So again, they, the cliffs basically took her father, although yeah. he, he did have tuberculosis. He, I don't know how long he would have gone anyway, but the injuries from falling off a cliff didn't help. In her early 30s, uh, yeah, she almost died, but it did kill her dog that was always <gasps> fossil hunting with her. Which killed me when I, I mean, I read that and I was like, who's chopping onions in here? Her adorable little dog, you know, died in this, in the landslide, basically, because this was the issue about searching for fossils this way is that, so there's this, you know, this sheer cliff uh-huh. with all these layers, all these fossils in them. And it's by the ocean, so sometimes, you know, a big chunk will fall off and go into right. the sea, but when that big chunk falls off like that, it exposes new things, mm-hmm. so it's prime time to get down there and find them before someone else does, gotcha. or, or before they're swept into the sea, and then you can never get them. So you're down there at times of year, like, when it's best to do it, are times of year where, yeah, it can collapse on top of you. Yeah. I mean, this is dangerous, dangerous work. So her fossil digging assistant was her dog? Yeah. That's that's amazing and adorable. I know. She had like she had a, a dog-friendly workplace. Well, I guess not. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh man. Man. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so it was really dangerous, but she, you know, she did it her whole life and yeah, as long as she possibly could. Hmm. Um when she got much older, she got breast cancer, well, older. She was in her 40s. This is not, she did not. Older, according yeah. to 17, right. eight, early 1800s. Right. She did not live to be an old lady. When she was in her 40s, she got breast cancer. And she was also, and she was poor again. So she selling all these fossils and getting this name for herself, but she was still really struggling financially always because it was so unpredictable when you're going to find good fossils and if anyone's going to buy them. And on top of that, she was swindled out of kind of a lot of her money uh, shortly before that. There is conflicting accounts of what exactly happened mm-hmm. um, some people say that there that she invested in something and the guy just took her money and ran i all but i also read that it's possible that he took her money for an investment and then died mm-hmm. nearly you know just right afterwards and so and she couldn't get the money back something like that that nevertheless she you know lost a bunch of her money so when she got really sick um 
a bunch of uh, of her supporters, a bunch of the people in the scientific community that that knew her, actually pulled some money and gave her like a stipend so that okay. she wouldn't be out on the street and so she could take you know care of herself a little bit. She died on March 9th, 1847. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mid 40s. Um, but when she did die, the uh, Geological Society, which she could not be a member of because women were not allowed. Mm-hmm. No girls allowed. <laughs> uh, they actually wrote about her and the contributions she made, and they donated huh. a stained glass window to her local church. So there was apparently some awareness that it was pretty not cool yeah. that she wasn't a, an official member of the club and, you know, being able to have her name attached to all of the things that she did and all of the fossils that she found. Um, and on top of that, you might know of her mm-hmm. as She Sells Seashells by the Seashore. Yes. That's about her. Really? Yeah. Wow. I never knew that. I know. <laughs> That's amazing. This is the first scientist <laughs> that we've covered who has a tongue twister in their <laughs> honor. <laughs> wow. She sells seashells by the so seashore. So she's famous. We just don't know her name. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. That's weird. Well, now you know. Mm-hmm. Tell your kids. And kids like dinosaurs anyway. They're probably like, if you said anything wrong, there's going to be like some six-year-old who's like, that is incorrect. Well, <laughs> she didn't really find any dinosaurs so that a six-year-old would correct you. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's funny. The... Um, the plesiosaur, for instance, I think it was the Discovery Channel, mm-hmm. um, had something on the website about, oh, the age of the, oh, this dinosaur, the plesiosaur. And everyone's like, that's not a dinosaur, you guy. <laughs> Discovery, come on. See, I felt like I knew all of this when I was six or seven because there was this one dinosaur special, I think, that ran and like my best friend had recorded it. And every single day we watch this thing. And I actually remember the one about, is it the plesiosaur that's the water? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was like, you know, a dramatic kind of story. And does it still exist? Maybe it is still in this lake or whatever. And they had all this like fuzzy underwater footage that of course they had created. But as a kid, I was just Wait, they had like a fake documentary when we were kids? Oh, yeah. Oh my God, this is like the mermaid thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it was very much sensationalized based yeah. on a tiny bit of science, you know, yeah. that they just extrapolated to make it sensational. I but... really thought that this faux documentary thing was a recent invention. I don't think so. Wow. I think, I mean... Have we talked about the mermaid thing on this show before? I don't just know. Just for people that don't know, because you live in a wonderful world where this didn't happen, and I'm so jealous of you. <laughs> um, was it Discovery or was it Animal Planet? I don't remember. Anywho, they aired a documentary, quote unquote documentary. I'm doing air quotes. You can't see them, but I'm doing them um, (laughs) about mermaids. Mm -hmm. And it really, it was the way it was done. It really convinced a lot of people that it was real, even though there was this teeny tiny disclaimer at the beginning, which is, which is kind of stupid because you're watching TV. How often are you there for the first 10 seconds of anything? You you come in halfway through and finish watching it or whatever. Uh, But there was a a little asterisk that said, this is just, this is all just for fun. This is not real. But um, it really touched on a lot of uh, conspiracy things. And Mm -hmm. so that's, I think, why people got so up in arms about it because they're like, oh my God, people love conspiracy theories, obviously. So yeah, there was a scientist who found a skull of a mermaid and uh, he was being blacklisted by the scientific community. Oh, and oh yeah, they they blended in enough actual real things 
that that was the other reason that people thought it was real because um there was some what was it some radar like navy testing and a Mm -hmm. bunch of whales beached themselves in the pacific northwest Mm -hmm. and that really did happen and they were like oh yeah and you couldn't go see the bodies of the whales because there are mermaids over there too and the government was keeping it from you (laughs) and like they and there was all this stuff about how the national oceanographic and atmospheric association noaa Uh was behind it and so people were like sending hate mail to noaa and they're like you guys we tell you the weather like we're not (laughs) completely missed that special on discovery and they're like why they had, they had to put letters. out a statement. They're like, we're oh studying the ocean God. and the atmosphere. We are not covering up th- the existence of mermaids. Like, come on. And then the other thing that they had was uh, this underwater recording that they called the bloop that people had recorded at different parts of the ocean at different times, whatever. That sounds very disturbing because it actually does sound like about 100 people screaming really at a really high-pitched noise. Oh what God. it is, is it's like, it's... um glaciers falling apart like ice in the ocean cracking and and breaking off so it has a very strange sound and yeah it does sound humanish the same way that goats yelling sounds like a human (laughs) it's like come on you guys but anyway so they used those pieces and said yes there are real mermaids and we've explored so little of the ocean that it's possible that they're still out there and it's like yeah we've we've explored a small percentage of the bottom of the ocean the top of the ocean we're we're pretty well acquainted with (laughs) Like that's we not how it handle works. on that part. Yeah. We've ex- we have actually been out there quite a bit. So oh um, anyway, I didn't realize that that there was one from our childhood too. That's, I mean, that, I just think that's that, wild. I think that there's always been this kind of you know, yeah, leaning what towards. If? Yeah, let's exactly. just explore that idea and really confuse people. The guy who made the mermaid one. Uh, he claims that he did it so people would be more interested in the ocean and taking care of it. Mm. It's like, well, you can take care of the ocean and be interested in it without humanoid, um, you know, species existing in it. Like, there are mermaids. They're called dolphins. Yeah. Like, let's take care of them just because they're dolphins, not because they're people. Well, we're talking about Jacques Cousteau for the next episode, and pretty sure they never found mermaids. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if anyone would have found them and televised it, it would have been Cousteau. Yeah, this this idea that that some of our ancestors, you know, we came down from the trees and then we split off and some of us went in the water and never came back. (laughs) That's called drowning. (laughs) <laughs> the that that branch of human of the primates just never made it. Yeah. <laughs> Bye you guys, we're gonna go in the water. Okay. See you later, Steve. Whatever happened to Steve? I don't know. Maybe he's a mermaid now. That's how it was born. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway, so Mary Anning, mm-hmm. she sold some seashells by the seashore. She was a total, total badass. She did this really dangerous work her whole life, contributed so much, was kind of simultaneously unsung and sung at the time because people yeah. did know about her but it was just i guess it was just kind of like inside baseball like the other scientists knew about her well kudos to the scientists who actually credited her right. because then otherwise we i think never would have known about her mm-hmm. contribution and people i mean they came from all around and they they basically were like hey can you show me these clips and show me where i can find some fossils too can you kind of tell me what you know so people did defer to her yeah. and they did you know show her that respect but yeah, but then they would just kind of leave and be like, oh, well, I mean, I'm not going to mention her in the paper. 
Like, she why just I did do the that? leg work. Why, like, why would you do that? Yeah, it's weird. I mean, a, a, a king came to buy some fossils from her and she, she was, and he said, oh, what is your name? So I can, you know, look you up or, you know, later on I can mention, mention, you know, who you are and where I found this and stuff. She, and she gave him like a card with her name written down. She said, I'm well known throughout Europe. Here you go. <laughs> she's, she's <laughs> awesome. She sounds like such a hoot. And we are definitely inviting this woman to brunch. Yeah. She would be the best brunch guest for us i think yeah and then we could go on a hike and go find some fossils Mm -hmm. and wear a hard a hard hat while we do it please (laughs) that's true yes she could have used some safety equipment that that probably would have helped i don't think a bonnet really provided any sort of protection yeah the only picture of her really is this um painting that was done posthumously and yeah she's just Mm. in very you know like big dress and bonnet and you know just like very early 1800s looking woman with like these petticoats and I don't even know what all those pieces of clothing are called. That's crazy to think like I if you go on a hike nowadays and you're like okay I'm gonna be scrambling over cliffs that might collapse on me or you know under me at any moment I'm gonna wear the full-on ankle length dress with the tiny leather shoes and the bonnet. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> that's terrible that's they didn't amazing. make lady pants back then i yeah, know i'm not sure I, I i did not see anything about what she really was wearing because yeah that's sort of a big old dress it must she must have been wearing a dress but god i don't know how she i mean people would have been scandalized that. i know yes exactly well yeah i mean she, people must have been gossiping about her the whole time i mean her family is on welfare when she's young mm-hmm. then she gets older and she's hanging around these men all the time and she never marries right yeah and then when she got sick she was taking what is it laudanum that they used yep. to give people so people were like oh she's just a drunk so yeah people are just jerks the whole time yeah just a reminder that modern medicine is modern and what they had back then was just well why don't you just try to knock yourself out for a while until you die? Yeah. Here's some chloroform. Best of luck. Yeah. Well, that, that was when you were having a baby, I think, that they gave you the chloroform. I mean, is that what they did? No, I think they just gave you a stick to bite on. Okay. That too. So Mary was the talk of the town, and we should have her over and gossip about all those rude people that would gossip about her. <laughs> and have some, I don't know, what, what some sort of very layered, she would have a, a, a pancakes. And she would excavate the oh, pancakes for all the blueberries yes, in them. Yes. And you then could she put like fruit layers in there that exactly. she could like dig out. Yeah. She would take her tiny pick and take out all the blueberries or all the pecans or whatever is in these pancakes. Yeah. And then we'd take her to like a wilderness outfitters store mm-hmm. and show yes. her the wonder yeah. of, you know, hiking boots mm-hmm. and pants. Yeah. And, you know, fleeces. Yeah. And those pants that have the zipper around the knee. So it's like, and these are, if it's too hot, you can take, and then they turn into shorts, Mary. She's like, oh my God, this is amazing. Shorts. Mind blown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it would be interesting. And it would be interesting, you know, to show her what we found since then. Because, I mean, I don't know how popular fossil digging was back then or how much stuff they'd actually found, but... We keep finding stuff. And now we know the whole story. Now we know about evolution because that was, you know, that hadn't happened yet. But she contributed to it eventually being being a theory because she was finding all these fossils that yeah. Darwin had to explain. It was like, wait, what? What? What is this? He's like, oh, man. Where did I go? This one doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I can just see him. He has like little index cards with these things like drawn on. And he's like, oh, where does this fit? This oh, doesn't make man. any sense. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and darwin came like what was it, like shortly after her death right mm-hmm. yeah yeah interesting yeah so it was the 
the time of you know realizing how old the earth was and mm-hmm. kind of piecing together evolution and she was she was part of that story because of the things that she found yeah we didn't really figure out how old the earth was until i think it was mid like ni- 1950s mm-hmm. so yeah we are still learning stuff at a pretty fast clip yeah it really is it really is weird Again, I remember being in in high school and thinking that we knew like 99% of what was up. Yeah. I really had that sense that we had discovered so much and had such a complete picture of just about everything. Yeah. I had that impression as well. And I think think that was perhaps one of the greatest disservices of our science education growing up. Because, you know, you read this stuff in the textbook and you think, okay, this is the end all be all. Yeah of this subject and, and it never like, covers what you don't know so it just yeah. if you just if all you're learning is stuff that you you do know and you're not finding out what the what the gaps are because mm-hmm. no one's pointing them out yeah you walk away being like yeah we know we know the stuff's covered done. yeah i know yeah. i didn't think that you could be a biologist because it was like yeah we know about all these animals and we know how bacteria work and like yeah that tree yep we could we know how it works like ah yeah wow wow yeah, so so keep digging. <laughs> Pun. <laughs> Carve out a little niche for yourself, people. Yeah, it's called grad school. <laughs> yeah, carve out a carve something out of a cliff and just hope it doesn't collapse on you. Yes. Life advice from Katie and May. <laughs> so that brings us to the end of this episode of Science French. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about Mary Anning selling seashells by the seashore. <laughs> Please join us next time. And in the meantime, subscribe and follow us on Twitter and Facebook and go to our website, sciencebrunch.org and sign up for our our mailing list. Yeah. We don't harass on Facebook. It's just posting episodes and there's more stuff on Twitter. And it's a total safe zone from all the political fallout that's happening. So it's (laughs) it's this wonderful space of science and fun and interesting things that are not about politicians. Yeah. Fun times. Thank you.